everyone. Welcome to another episode of Upper Left Kayak Fishing, a podcast devoted to kayak fishing in the Pacific Northwest. This is episode two. If you didn't catch episode one, it was a brief episode that I recorded to give an introduction on myself and where I'm from. If you haven't listened to that, I recommend you go back and give that a listen. Uh, it's going to give you some context into, again, who I am and what what we'll be talking about on the show. So, as I mentioned in that episode, um, I'm from the Portland area in Oregon, and one of our major bodies of water that we have here for uh, for all sorts of fishing is the Willamette River, and I spend a lot of time on that river uh, doing specifically smallmouth bass fishing. Uh, but today, I want to take some time to go through different sections of that river and how I approach them in terms of kayak fishing. So to start off, um, the Willamette River, if you're not familiar, is the second biggest river in Oregon, the first being the Columbia, which of course is the border between Oregon and Washington uh, for quite a bit of the state and then and then goes north into Washington. Um, that river is known uh, probably worldwide as a bass, smallmouth bass fishery. It's fantastic. But the Willamette is, is a big tributary of it. And uh, so it flows, the Willamette flows, you know, from mid-central Oregon uh, in the Willamette Valley all the way north until uh, it meets the Columbia. It passes through Portland, it passes through Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, uh, some of our bigger cities. And it is packed full of smallmouth bass. So, you know, of course, because I live near Portland, I do focus mostly on the lower river um, than most upper stream part that I get to is generally about Newburgh, and I have fish sections almost all the way down to the Columbia River. So I'm going to start in the lowest section and work my way back up and just just talk about, you know, what you might expect and uh, and how I, how I uh, attack fishing it. So in the lowest section of the river, um, one place that's well known is the Multnomah Channel. And the Multnomah Channel is actually a, somewhat of a spur of the main river. The main river ends not too far from there where it empties into the Columbia, but uh, the the Multnomah Channel carries on uh, to the north for quite a bit longer as it passes Savi Island, and then it, it eventually ends up in the Columbia as well. So it's sort of an extension, a smaller extension of the Willamette. Um, so in that area, so you can, there are several boat launches that you can you can get to uh, and, and access points from Savi Island. The difficulty is that a lot of that area on Savi Island is actually private land. Uh, you know, it's filled with a bunch of things like pumpkin patches and, and farmland and things like that. Um, at the uh, at, at one of the northern northern reaches, one of the furthest northern parts of the island, uh, you can access it there from a boat launch, and and slightly further uh, upstream, you can you can access it from, I believe, a free launch that's um, not too far from the bridge that gets from Highway 30 onto, onto Savi Island. Um, the one that's the furthest north, uh, you can get into the Gilbert River as well, which is really just a small uh, sort of inlet that flows into the island. And if you look it up on a map, you'll notice that there's tons of little, you know, all kinds of uh, of little lakes and ponds and things that you can access from the Gilbert Island or Gilbert uh, Gilbert River River rather, uh, and you know a lot of those 
I haven't had much success with, but I have been on just sort of, you know, recreational paddle trips out on Sabi Island on some of those lakes and have seen guys bring their actual bass boats up the Gilbert River uh, for fishing for smallmouth. And, and I have seen people catch things up there. So I think what happens is the smallmouth, maybe because it's a lot of those lakes are relatively shallow, uh, that might be some spawning grounds for them. Uh, but I haven't spent too much time in the island specifically. Anyway, getting back to the Multnomah Channel, um, the Multnomah Channel, I've, I've fished several times, and uh, in, it's a difficult area for me to catch fish. I have not had the success that I've had in other places with the size of fish, although they're super plentiful. Um, it's just that what I experienced was a lot of you know 12-inch and, and smaller smallmouth, but fishing things like a Ned Rig or Tubes, uh, even spinnerbaits, there's a lot of laydown trees and hitting the laydown trees with spinnerbaits was very productive for me in that area. And it's a lot of fun. Uh, one thing to look out for is that, you know, e- even though it's not as large as the, the Willamette that's just upstream for it, it's plenty big enough for power boats. So you get a lot of people out there that are on their, you know, uh, water skiing or on jet skis, uh, people on recreational kayaks, you know, especially when you get to the middle of the summer when it's nice warm weather and, you know, there's houseboats all along that area as well. Um, you know, the, the Willamette in this area used to have a lot bigger largemouth population. And I would think that during that time, you could do a lot of, a lot of good, like flipping docks and things in that area. But now that it's predominantly a smallmouth bass fishery, um, you know, that smallmouth just simply don't act the same. So even though you can definitely catch, you know, a, a, a bucket full of smallmouth, uh, the Multnomah Channel is not necessarily, you know, my number one spot. Um, however, there's plenty of other panfish. Um, there's plenty of guys that will catch salmon in there, steelhead, as they migrate upstream. Uh, because, of course, the Columbia dumps into the ocean, and then it's not all that far, you know. Uh, probably, I don't know, maybe 50, 60 miles, something like that, upstream till you get to the Willamette from the ocean. Uh, so you can catch... You know, cold water fish in there at certain times of the year, uh, plenty of panfish, you know, crappie, catfish, bluegill, uh, walleye, I believe you can catch there as well if uh, if you know what you're doing in that area. So then uh, as you move upstream, of course, you'll, you'll get into the St. John's area. Um, I have fished there. I did not have success. Um, in fact, the water, the water downstream from Portland on the main uh, the main stem of the the Willamette uh, is not the cleanest. Uh, you know, you can do some Google searches and find out that there's plenty of pollution in that area. So I actually only fished there, I believe, once out of St. John's. Um, I didn't even get a bite. The thing, too, is that in a kayak, uh, there's a lot of barges that travel up into Portland from, you know, through the Columbia and uh, through St. John's. And so you can get some serious barge swells uh that happened there. And so I definitely don't recommend, uh, you know, going out without, without your wits about you definitely wear a PFD and everything in that area. Um, and then of course you keep going up and you will end up, uh, in downtown Portland. Um, you can probably catch smallmouth in that area. I'm sure. I mean, there's plenty of riprap banks. Um, there's pilings, all kinds of like old, old, you know, uh, wood pilings and of course the bridge pilings there's all kinds of bridges that cross so I would imagine things like a drop shot you know drop it down some of those pilings at certain times of the year and uh, and you'll catch bass uh, you know you see a lot of guys catching carp uh, from the the uh, like marina docks and things in in downtown there so you know you could definitely 
you know, have your, have your fun with that if you wanted. Uh, and then from there, you know, going upstream a little bit further, um, there are other access points that I haven't explored all that much. Um, you know, there's, for example, there's a Willamette Park that's kind of near Ross Island. I believe you can launch a kayak there. Um, that is a very busy boat launch uh, at certain times of the year with the salmon fishermen and things. Although I believe there's other access to the river there that you could, you know, maybe drag your kayak in. You don't need a, a real good boat launch for a kayak. Uh, so there's good access points uh, in that area. And then uh, then you get up into the sort of um, the Milwaukee area. And I know there's a boat launch there as well, although it's pretty small. And other than that launch itself, there's not very good access there. Uh, so I actually haven't ever been able to put my kayak in. But what there is, is there's a, it's not, it's not an island all year. It's more of a peninsula, except when the river's high. So by summer, it's, it's more of a peninsula, you know, in the early, early season, it probably is an island. Um, and on a map, it might look like an island, depending on, you know, when you, when the, the imagery was taken on Google maps. But, um, there's some very good rocky structure in that area, which at this point in the river for me is what becomes incredibly key. Uh, the river gets really rocky from right about that area going, going upstream, um, to the falls, which we'll get to in a little bit. Um, and so, you know, I really want to launch there. I just haven't had the opportunity yet. That launch gets really busy. There's only, you know, maybe, I don't know, a dozen or, you know, 16 or something parking spots as well. So if you don't get there super early, you know, you're just not going to get a spot. And depending on when you go, you're either there in the summer when, you know, there's a lot of people out, just, you know, doing recreational stuff or you're getting there in the salmon season. And so there's guys putting in their boats for salmon fishing, steelhead, so on. So it's been, it's been tough and it, it is quite a distance for me. I live on the West side of the city, so it is quite a trek just to get over there. It's probably about an hour. And then, you know, the, the one or two times I've tried, I get there and it's, it's all full and it's like, okay, now I have to go to plan B anyway. So I just, you know, haven't really given it that much of a go, although it looks super bassy for smallmouth. Um, and I have been able to fish there. I, I parked not too far away and just walked down the road for a little while. Um, and I have fished off the bank off that Island. So I, I know there's bass in the area. I mean, in fact, there's bass in the entire Willamette river, no matter where you get to, um, if you just have an access point. So as you go up a little bit further from there, um, you get to the Lake Oswego area and Lake Oswego, um, from that point all the way up, um, to, uh, on the opposite side of the river, on the, on the North side of the river, um, there is a bar that sticks out where you can actually drive out onto a gravel bar. Now, if you're familiar with the area, you know what I'm talking about. And if not, you can look it up on a map. There's a, you know, there's a, a park on the opposite side of the river about probably from the Lake Oswego, uh, area, probably, I don't know, maybe a mile and a half or something upstream. Anyway, so between Lake Oswego and that sandbar, that gravel bar, I have done a ton of fishing and, you know, so I'll, I'll go into a little detail on that. So you can launch in Lake Oswego from George Rogers park. There's a very sort of run down crappy, uh, boat launch out of there. Not even a boat launch, really. I think they just use it for kayak rentals and things like that in the summertime. Um, and, and again, parking is limited. So, you know, get there early and, and you'll be able to get a spot, you know, but in, in the summertime, uh, 
when the Willamette is pretty much like a lake uh, in this lower section, um, it, you know, if you get there at, you know, at sunup, like at 4.35 in the morning, there's nobody else there except maybe a couple other people with a kayak and, and a couple joggers. So it really isn't a problem. Uh, when you leave in the afternoon, though, it'll be packed. In fact, there's a beach there because there's a little creek or, or river that runs in right there. And people will be out on their beach towels and all their floaty toys and everything with the kids and the dogs. And I mean, there'll be hundreds of people there at times. Uh, so it definitely gets busy. Um, but in any case, you can launch there and what's great about that is just just out uh, from that park, there's all kinds of rocky structure. Uh, there's riprap bank across the sides, uh, both sides of the river. Uh, there's an island out there. There's some nice drop-offs and things, so it's it can be a very productive. And as you as you move upstream from there, uh, you'll get to Cedar Oak Island, and Cedar Oak has a very nice boat launch. Uh, they updated it a couple years ago. Uh, it's great. If you don't have a trailer, like a boat trailer, there is again limited parking. But for me, I usually get there at you know at the literal, literally the crack of dawn, and so I don't have a problem when I'm leaving in the afternoon. Again, there's almost always somebody just sort of, you know, in the parking lot like a hawk, waiting for me to leave so that they can pull into my spot because there's a lot of uh, area that's reserved for boats. And that brings up my next point about the area right there in the Lake Oswego and uh, and Cedar Oak is that there are tons and tons of people out on boats especially as you get into you know June, July, August, September. I mean it is loaded with boats. So you can catch tons of fish and I've had great success down there. But the thing is 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 you really have to be prepared for people towing each other on you know, on rafts and, and inner tubes and then people out, you know, uh, wakeboarding people out on jet skis. I mean, it gets to be a straight up party on the water and that can be pretty dangerous in a kayak if you're not paying attention. So, you know, a flag, um, having bright colored, you know, shirt on or, or, uh, you know, a paddle, maybe on your paddle, have some reflective tape. Uh, if you have a paddle or just a bright colored kayak, um, a whistle, obviously, you know, just if somebody is going to get close and you have access to your whistle, maybe you can blow it at them. I, I don't know. I mean, I just keep your head on a swivel because it gets crazy. So that's one reason why in recent years, I don't go there as often, although you can catch tons of bass. So again, I get there early and I'm usually off the water by one or two o'clock because at that point it's already been an eight hour day for me. Um, and that's really when everybody is in their, you know, in their, in their boats out for a joy ride, you know, that mid afternoon summer day, you know, it's 80, 90 degrees. People are having a good time on the water and, you know, you'll get people that don't care and you'll get wakes, you know, that are, you know, two feet high off, off these people that just zip past you. So really be careful out there, pay attention. Um, but at the same time, you know, you hear about sometimes people talk about smallmouth bass or any bass for that matter. They'll use a mud line as an ambush point. And what's cool about that is when those boats really get going, for me, one thing that I have a lot of success with is throwing a spinnerbait right up against the rocks. And it doesn't matter if it's two feet or 10 feet or anywhere in between or, or, or deeper even maybe sometimes. Throw in a white spinnerbait 
up against the rocks just anywhere when the waves are just piling onto the shoreline and it's bringing all that silt down. You know, it's a super rocky bank, but there's sand and silt that falls into the water and it clouds up the edges right there. And as those boats really get going, I have a lot of success on, with things like that. Um, also, you know, swim baits, um, swim baits, chatter baits, etc. All those sorts of things, moving baits. If you can just get them up really shallow and just start pulling them off sort of at a 45 degree angle from the bank, I have a lot of success with that. Also in that area where it's really rocky, uh, tube jigs have been great. Uh, Ned rigs are fantastic. Um, uh, drop shot, you know, uh, drop shot with things like uh, any color green pumpkin or even white. Um, gobies are very prevalent down there as far as I can tell. They'll eat on the bottom. They look like almost like little sucker fish. And I've caught smallmouth that have those in their mouth. So it's sort of a whitish, whitish, uh, a sort of goldish color, maybe. So that's been very successful. In fact, um, Z-Man sells a Ned Rig color that's called Gobi Bryant. And what this is, is it's a funny name. And that's what caught me when I first bought it. But what it is, is it's a, it's a Gobi color, like I said, gold and sort of whitish with maybe a little bit of brown in it and then purple flake. And that color has been fantastic down there. So I throw that a lot. Um, also anything, you know, green pumpkin down there with the, with the Ned rig or, or any craw color, uh, or the deal, things like that have been really good. Um, and yeah, and, and so that, that lower or that sort of midsection of the river right there has been really good. Now, as you go from Cedar Oak and you go further upstream, you'll get to the Mary, I think it's called Mary Young State Park. Uh, there's no boat access there, but again, there's great rocky shoreline. Uh, you can catch a ton of bass, um, and and that's been a really productive area. If you're from the bank, you can access it from the bank on foot, uh, and and throw you know from these like sort of rock outcropping areas. So that's been really nice. So check that out. And then, you know, from there, as you keep going upstream, you'll pass that that. Uh, gravel bar that I was talking about you can drive out on and I actually haven't fished above that you know a couple miles in a kayak um, is a pretty good amount of, I mean you can cover you can cover plenty more miles than that but if you're actively fishing and taking time to pick a place apart you know you can spend you know a whole day and multiple days in that section that I just talked about between Lake Oswego and the gravel bar so I haven't gone really above that too much um, just maybe you know, a few hundred yards here or there. But again, both sides of the river, um, check it out. And then as you keep going, I'm sure it's bassy, but what ends up happening is the, the current does at certain times of the year pick up above there. And then just not too much further, uh, you'll run into run into the falls, Willamette Falls, right? And you can't obviously go up that on a kayak. Also, there's not much more access between there. And so if you don't have a boat or you're not willing to really put in like physical effort to go upstream a lot more from, you know, from uh, Cedar Oak. Uh, it's just not really accessible from a kayak. Unless maybe, maybe you have a motor, maybe you have a, you know, a Torquedo or a, a Bixby or whatever trolling motor. Maybe you can get up there, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm currently in a paddle kayak and that's a lot of, a lot of work. So I don't go that far. Um, now here's one other thing that I want to mention before I go up above the falls is that, this lower part of the river, all the way down the Columbia 
and and so on all the way to the ocean is tidal and if you're not used to fishing that it can catch you off guard sometimes because what happens is you know this right now i'm recording this it's early march the river is really high right now um i mean compared to you know, midsummer, it's pretty high. I think the current reading is about 50,000 cubic feet per second. Uh, for me and the paddle kayak, I don't feel comfortable till it's at about 30, just because it gets, it gets pretty intense. And if you're not paying attention, if you get stuck in the wrong wind um, and current, you're, you're kind of screwed, especially if you go downstream first. So word of advice on the Willamette in the early season, always go upstream first because then the current can ride you back to your takeout rather than, you know, you go downstream, the current overtakes you or you just, you know, you, you've been fishing all day and you're tired and you can't get home. Um, that's not a good idea. So a little safety tip, go upstream first. You know, as you get later into the year, that's not going to be a problem. But right now, early season, definitely something to keep in mind. Also, always check the the wind. And there's plenty of gauges. Uh, there's a gauge in downtown. There's a gauge below the falls. The U.S. Geological Service keeps really good record in that area, and so you can you can know before you go what you're going to encounter. That's you know water temperature, current level, gauge height, uh, pH, you know all, all kinds of stuff in the water. There's about you know 20 different things you can check out. So I highly recommend that you do. But anyway, moving on to the point about it being tidal. So in the summertime, the lower river right there basically becomes a lake. I mean, the the flow is nearly nothing. It's about 10,000 cubic feet per second. But on that river, it's really tiny because the river's so large. And in places right in there, it's 100 feet deep. So 10,000 cubic feet per second really isn't that much, you know, not compared to, to a smaller river that that would actually be visible current. Um, but what happens, though, is depending on the time of the month with the tides— the water will actually flow upstream slightly. So there are times where you'll notice current, but it's pushing you the wrong way, even on a still day and there's no, uh, you know, there's no wind maybe. And so you're going upstream slightly. And, and it's, if you're not, if you're not aware that it's tidal, um, or not thinking about it, then, then that'll catch you off guard. But what's cool about that is that even though there's light current, um, you know, by the river itself, when the tides go the other way, you know, you might have an opportunity to fish like the backside of a rock pile that you wouldn't have before that maybe, you know, you wouldn't think, oh, I'll fish, I'll fish the, the downstream side. Um, or excuse me, the, you, you wouldn't think maybe to fish the upstream side when there's current hitting against it. Cause the bass are probably sitting on the back street back side of that, the, the downstream side. But as that current shifts, because the tide, you might be able to fish that upstream side and have success there because the bass might position themselves on that upstream side to catch any any prey that's going now is being sort of pushed upstream slightly and so there are there are some nuances to that and you know honestly uh it i haven't put in that much time paying attention to those tides to plan out trips in you know in accordance with them to get the best you know sort of uh training with it so to speak or, or experience with it but that does happen and it has caught me off guard and now as i as i notice it you know i i try more things uh to play with that tide so just keep in mind that it exists um and, it, and it's pretty cool because it's a river system that is tidal uh it's it's sort of unique because it's such a large river okay so then as we go above the falls 
So above the falls, there's a really nice access point um, at, uh, I think it's again called Willamette Park. Um, friends and I refer to it just as 10th Street because it's right off 10th Street in um, in West Lynn. So from that access point, uh, there's plenty of good fishing. It is quite different though, because what will end up happening is uh, for about two miles upstream, there's not all that much rock like there is in the lower river. So, you know, in the lower river, it's rock, rock, rock at anything, you know, and it holds smallmouth all over it. And the upper river, uh, the river gets a lot wider right there. And so there's a lot more just overall habitat, I think, for the bass. So they do tend to spread out. Um, I typically work my way upstream, um, about two miles upstream around the first bend. It does become pretty rocky again. There's a nice island there. You can catch some great bass in that area. But in that sort of midsection between that island and the and the launch there, um, you know, there's just a lot. It's a big old open river. And so really what it is is just you, you've got to find the specific rocky structure out of a mass of what seems like nothing. And in the summertime, that it, uh, you'll get these it, just weeds, uh, whatever it is, whatever kind of grass it is. I don't, I don't know uh, what species of grass it is, but it really grows up thick. And there are times where it'll almost be like mats um, on top of the water because you know at, at certain points the water will only be you know five, eight, ten feet deep. But these mats and all this weeds, and so you know you can fish those weed lines. Uh, you can fish, you know, among the weeds sometimes. Um, although, you know, it's not really like largemouth. Like these, these smallies aren't going to just like hunker down in the weeds. You're not going to do very much good. I don't think like, you know, pitching into that or flipping into that or, or punching through those, uh, those mats. But, um, you could fish the weed lines, you know, the things like, like swim jigs, maybe swim baits, uh, spinner baits, chatter baits, etc. cetera. Uh, and then also, you know, for me, you know, using a, a side view or a side scan, um, I have a Garmin uh, 73SV unit on my kayak. And really that's been key because, you know, you can scan, you know, 50 feet either side or maybe more and find a specific rock pile and target that rock pile with things like a drop shot or a Ned rig or maybe even a jig um, and, and things like that. So, you know, it really is, it's still about, it's still about rock. Um, to me, smallies are like, find the rock, find the bass. It's got to be rock um, for the most part. I mean, I know when they spawn that they like more of a, a sandy or gravelly bottom. Um, but honestly, on the Willamette, if, if anybody knows where they're spawning, I'd love to know that, especially in the lower river, because it's just very hard to find them, especially when the water temperature is in their spawning range, the river's usually still pretty high. So it's pretty hard to even get out there. Um, you know, a boat guy might be able to do a lot better than a kayak guy just because they won't get blown off their spot and they might be able to access those spawning grounds. But in any case, um, that, you know, a lot of people refer to it as the upper river. Uh, right there above the falls, although, you know, it's probably more like mid-river, uh, but it's very productive. I've caught some of my best bass, you know, right right up, you know, from there, just anywhere going upstream um, above the falls. So it's, it's a very nice place to fish. It's got great access. Um, yeah, so go check that out. And then uh, the last place I want to talk about is all the way upstream in Newburgh. So Newburgh is way different than any of the, the lower river that I talked about so far. Um, 
What's up with Newberg to me is that it's really deep and tons and tons of do-nothing bottom. I mean, just huge stretches of where you're looking at it on side scan. There is nothing going on, just literal mud bottom. Um, and so in that area, what I've found is the the bass tend to relate more to wood. Um, there's a lot of like laydowns and things and docks and things like that. So, you know, you might have success pitching a like a, a wacky rig into a tree, uh, into a dock, under a dock, things like that. Um, and when you can find the rock, of course, you're going to find them there too. There are these spots along the way where you'll find that the it, it it's like that sort of uh, smooth rock that it's not like rock piles and it's not individual boulders. It's like hard bottom that sort of just you know it comes off the bank and it goes all the way down you know into the into the deeper parts, and it it's it's maybe like a clay bank but it's harder and so you'll find them on that sort of stuff. Um, and most of this for me is when I go downstream, um, in Newburgh, because there's from the launch, the main launch in Newburgh, if you go upstream, there's a huge Island there, but to get above that Island is a really long paddle. And, and it's just a lot of, to me, what I found is just wasted water. So I really don't focus too much on that area above, um, above the launch, above the main boat ramp there. I usually go downstream and, um, and it's, it's really productive and, you know, it's just that it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot deeper. You have to fish a lot deeper. In fact, I've caught bass 40 feet deep plus in that area. Um, things like drop shot again are really good. Um, Ned rig, uh, swing head jigs can be productive, um, at certain spots. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's been nice, uh, right in there. And then, you know, in between the falls and Newburgh, one place that I didn't mention is there's several other parks. There's a state park you can launch from. There's a county park on the other side of the river that you can launch from. And and literally from the falls all the way to Newburgh, if you have an access point, there are definitely bass. It's just that that upper river has a lot less rock and therefore um, is a lot harder to find the bass. They are just way more spread out. Um but, but again, you know, it's worth a shot. They, you know, there's, there's tournaments in that area. Guys are catching plenty of bass. The river is loaded with bass. Um, but Newburgh is about as far up as I've really fished. Now on foot, I've fished as far upstream or physically South on the map, um, as Buena Vista and Buena Vista is South of the town of Independence. It's South of Salem. I mean, it's way down there, um, and I've caught in smallmouth bass all along the way. Uh, in fact, it, there's a lot more current there, so a kayak might not be the best unless, again, if you're motor-powered, you could probably fish that whole area. Uh, guys definitely fish that out of boats. Um, the water's shallower. It's more rapid. It is way more like a river. And so, you know, you can uh, you can you can definitely catch fish there. One of my favorite things to do again is a spinnerbait. I'm a sucker for a spinnerbait, and uh, maybe in the future I'll do an episode more about that. Uh, but guys, that is the Willamette River for me in a nutshell. Um, it is 
it is a great thing to be able to have here in the Portland metro area. It is one of the best bass fisheries that we have. Um, there are some little lakes and things around here, but they don't near, hold nearly the amount of bass that the Willamette does. And the Willamette is packed full. I mean, you can catch 40, 50, 60, 100 smallmouth bass in a day, depending on how dedicated you are and what time of the year it is. Uh, you really can catch a, a whole bucket full of bass. So it's a great place to go. Uh, check it out. And report back. I'd love to hear about your guys' uh, success or or struggles. Um, if there's more that I can share about it, I'd be happy to. You know, I, I don't want to give up too many spot specifics. Um, you know, there's there's places that I really you know cherish on the river where you know I, other guys probably know about it, but it just feel like for me, it's something that I found on my own. Nobody told me where they were. Um, and and once you get out there, you're gonna have some of those too, just like any other body of water that you fish. But yeah, so get out on the Willamette, take your kayak out there, be careful. There are lots of boaters. Uh, that's true the whole river wide, especially in the summer. Just please be careful, wear your PFD. And uh, that's it, guys. That's the episode for tonight. I appreciate you all tuning in again to the Upper Left Kayak Fishing Podcast. And, uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Have a good day.